0: I'm back to Early Departures. Hey, everybody. I always I feel like you always say welcome back, and I always say hey, everybody.
1: <laughs> we should switch up next episode.
0: Yeah. Well, in any event, we're back, and I'm Ashley. And I'm Phoebe. And uh, we're here with some more scary stories. So yeah, I'm just going to, this is a, kind of a long one, so I'm just going to jump right in, and I will um, preface all of this by saying the two victims i almost said stars of my story but no victims (laughs) um they uh their their actual names are not uh have not been released so we're gonna call them av and tv because that's what they did in the court documents so okay can i assume they're related by the last initial you may not (laughs) yeah i don't know what those stand for but probably some weird court thing who knows but Back in 2004, 39-year-old Linda Du Fan, owner of two salons, the Nail Palace and the Davi Nail Salon in York, Pennsylvania, needed some more employees. She went to Vietnam, where she is originally from, and recruited 20-year-old A.V., negotiating the details with the woman's aunt. Linda would pay for AV's flight to the US, and AV would pay her back over time by working in the salon. AV is young. She doesn't have a lot of options in Vietnam, where the average salary is between $150 to $500 per month. So she's like, I'm in, and jets off to Pennsylvania to work for Linda. AV has no idea what's going on in Pennsylvania. You know, a lot of people outside of America, they know New York City, LA maybe, you know, Miami, not a lot of knowledge about York, Pennsylvania. So, you know, she's young. She's like, let's go out into the great unknown and do something with my life. But you can't just decide to move to the U.S., right? Even for work, you can't just say, I'm going. So let's talk a little bit about K-1 visas. If you watch the TLC show 90 Day Fiance, you're probably well aware of what that is. <laughs> and and I I'm know ashamed you do. <laughs> to admit that I am. I mean, who doesn't love that horrible show? <laughs> uh, so, a K 1 visa is if you have a foreign fiance and you want to get married and have them live in the US with you, they need to apply for a K 1 visa. And the visa gives you and your partner 90 days to go ahead and get married, and then they can move on to the next immigration step to try to, you know, remain permanently in America. Obviously, AV didn't just have an American fiancé lying around, but Linda, the salon owner, did have a brother, 36-year-old Justin Fan. So, by August of 2004, A.V., K-1 visa in hand, enters the U.S. as Justin's supposed fiance. One month later, A.V. and Justin are married. Our listeners can't see me, but I say married with big giant finger quotations because the only thing real about it was the paperwork. Okay. As I'm sure you could have guessed. Right, yep. In March 2005... Linda returned to Vietnam and again negotiated with a woman called TV to come to Pennsylvania to work in her salon. The same deal applied, airfare covered to be repaid in the form of working hours at the salon. Once again, a K-1 visa was needed to get the new employee into the U.S. And Linda didn't have any more brothers to stand in as a fiancé, but she did have a boyfriend, 41-year-old Duck Cao Wen. So, just like A.V., T.V. came to the U.S. and soon after, married Duck.
1: Also, do you think it's a little weird that she's making them these women pay her back for the flight? I feel like a job hires you and they're like, oh, you've got to move across state lines or something. Oh, you're going to have to work to pay us back for those relocation fees.
0: Yeah, yeah, usually, <laughs> you know, just in case anybody ever... Faces a situation like this and is not aware usually either your relocation expenses will be covered by the company or you have to pay them yourself the company does not provide it to you and then you know you pay them back that is definitely a uh, red flag <laughs> yeah
1: okay making sure i was on the same page on that like that was a little bit of a warning sign here yeah
0: it's not great <laughs> So, AV and TV worked at the salon Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. On Sundays, they worked from 1 to 5 p.m. for no pay. Breaks were only allowed if the salon was empty of customers. The idea was that, with these lengthy work hours seven days a week, they were reimbursing Linda for the cost of their flights. The women did get some money in the form of direct tips from customers who would also sometimes give them gift cards and things like that. Uh, but apparently they were expected to live like this for three years. <laughs> Whoa. No, yeah. no, no. Yep.
1: <laughs> we <laughs> all know how much a flight from East Coast International Airport to Vietnam could cost. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I would assume, fla- she put him in coach, less than $1,000. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, and you're talking uh that should be paid that? off in one month. Eleven hours a day of work, six days a week, so sixty six hours. We'll say minimum uh, wage is like ten to twelve bucks. Plus four on Sunday, so seventy hours a week they're working,
1: and we'll say at ten dollars an hour. That's seven hundred a week. Yeah, you should be paid. This should be paid off in two weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then you know whatever tips you get of that, which you know. Think about how much uh, a set of nails costs at a salon. And then if your customer is good enough to pay you a 20% tip, it's still not that much money, like, yeah. to be fair. And a lot of people don't do a 20% tip, which is very sad for these girls. I'm just, like, thinking about the last time
1: I got my nails done. Mm. I think I got a pedicure and a manicure. Now i to get my nails done. I think it was, like, $75. Yeah. And now I'm like, was that person not being paid?
0: <laughs> You're like, how much did I tip? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's so long ago because that was pre-covid uh, so yeah. you know that was another life yeah and i'm afraid <laughs> a side note i'm afraid to get my nails done at salons because if you know those horrible pictures they have like on google of like stuff that can happen like your nails nail <laughs> and like you get staff yeah. so i'm scared of that and
1: unfortunately for you the last thing you didn't get your nails done,
0: you had that such a shitty experience yeah oh my god and you know the time i had my nails done before that i had such a bad experience too like the guy cut me with the uh, nail file so i'm um, i got bad luck <laughs> but anyway so during this time by the way av and tv lived in linda's house and when they weren't at work they spent their time cooking and cleaning linda's house so just imagine for a moment you've flown across the globe to a foreign country you don't speak or read any english you don't drive You're working long hours at a salon with almost no breaks, seven days a week. And when you're not there, you're doing your other unpaid jobs, housekeeper and cook. And then at night, you finally go lay down with your roommate on the hard floor because your host has given you a room with a bunk bed in it, but has not provided any mattresses. So it's just a living nightmare every day. (laughs) Linda sounds awful. Yeah, Linda is the worst.
1: It makes me think of the wedding singer when the little boy comes out and is like, Linda, you's a bitch. (laughs) Uh, These poor girls. Linda sounds
0: terrible and awful. Yeah. And not a nice person. She is terrible. So at the end of the three-year commitment, I'm not sure if the ladies were supposed to then be paid a regular wage or if they were just to be released from working at the nail salons altogether. But, as women would soon find out, it didn't matter because Linda never intended to let them out of their indentured servitude. So it's now November 2007, three years after A.V. started working for Linda. A.V. believing she had fulfilled her obligation was like, okay, well, that's done, bring on the freedom and less intense work hours. And Linda basically said, mm, not so fast. Even living in my house all this time, now that you've paid off your airfare, you can start paying back all the immigration fees and other travel expenses I covered. And she demanded somewhere between five and $10,000. And additionally, demanded that A.V. would start paying rent, $200 per month for rent and $300 a month for utilities. What? So obviously she had no intention of letting either of the women off the hook. Yeah. What, are you, what are these
1: like like what is so these women's what can they do like do they did you call the cops and say like i'm basically being held captive to some extent
0: i mean never mind that you're paying you're you're being expected to pay 500 dollars a month to sleep on the floor with a roommate in a house no
1: <laughs> and they probably don't even know like social services and things like that even exist for them
0: yeah i mean they don't speak or read English, you know, and after three years, I'm sure they've picked up enough English around the salon to, like, sort of chat with customers, but, you know, not well, probably. But, in any event, Linda threatened them, saying that they'd better not talk to customers about what was going on. And she'd kept the women's identification and immigration paperwork this whole time and said if they talked, they would be sent to jail or sent back to Vietnam. which. I'm sure at this point, AV and TV were probably like, great, send us back. We'd love that. Like, let's go home. We hate you, Linda. Yeah. So by 2008, AV and TV were fully fed up and eventually did speak to customers about their situation whenever Linda was out of the salon. Some customers started slipping them extra cash and gift cards to help. This part isn't very clear from everything I've read, but someone she interacted with must have known something about immigration and helped A.V. discover that she only had conditional resident status and that it had expired in April 2008 and that Linda had never filed immigration paperwork for her, which is noteworthy because, if you recall, Linda was like, hey, you owe me for all those immigration fees when A.V. had thought her service term was completed. So it turns out there was definitely not any fees because Linda never actually filed any friggin' paperwork. (laughs) So Linda is just... Just lying to these women. She's the worst. So now A.V. was understandably super worried because now she's basically in the U.S. illegally and doesn't know what'll happen if she's caught. A.V. and a customer secretly conspired her plan to escape. On June 1st, 2008, two months short of four years after entering the U.S., Avi wrapped her few belongings up in a sheet and fled Linda's house at 1.30 in the morning. So you know how it had to be a pretty bad situation if you have to, like, flee in the middle of the night, you know?
1: I was going to say, were, like, they afraid to even, like, leave the house? Like, were they... Yeah. Did she allow them to, like, walk to the store or anything?
0: Oh, you know, who knows, but... Probably not. I know that... They were definitely probably afraid to to be seen like leaving with all their stuff, (laughs) you know, like because they probably thought she's going to call the cops on me or whatever. Yeah. So A.V. went right to Immigration and Customs Enforcement agents and reported what had happened to her on TV and gave them Linda's address. ICE agents surveilled the property and found that Duck, TV's alleged husband and at least two other men, in addition to Linda, were all living at that address. This gave them probable cause to search Linda's home and the Davi nail salon for evidence of forced labor, human trafficking, and marriage fraud. So it just, like, looked weird <laughs> that there was, like, a whole bunch of adults living together in this house. Yeah. I Special Agent Stephanie Fritzkis testified that the investigation and in search of Linda's home found that, Linda and Duck shared a bed and that there were photos of what appeared to be a wedding between the two found at Linda's home. So pictures of Linda and Duck at their wedding, not TV and Duck, (laughs) as they had told Immigration. Right, so proves the false marriages. Yeah. Duck was also the father of Linda's child, so (laughs) that was pretty pretty obvious right off the bat. In 2009, Linda pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit forced labor trafficking, forced labor, and marriage fraud. Under her plea deal, she would serve 90 days in prison and spend 270 days on house arrest, followed by a year of supervised release. Supervised release, by the way, is basically the same thing as being on parole, and it just means that you've actually completed your full sentence, whereas people on parole are released early from their time so basically same requirements like checking in with an officer periodically and staying on the straight and narrow and supervised release just means you're required to do this in addition to your full sentence not in lieu of it
1: okay and then did they take away anything about her business or like did she have to cease business or well i will
0: definitely get to that <laughs> i feel like she should probably get audited also um some tax issues here i mean gosh I feel like they should probably look at every other person who's ever worked in her salon before. Anyway, in addition, Linda was ordered to pay $300,000 in restitution to AV and TV and had to forfeit a 2008 Toyota Highlander that she owned. Good. And which, you know, 2008 car back then was a brand new car. So just putting it out there. It's, <laughs> it's not a 12 year old car like it is now. And $185,000 in seized funds that she just had. Uh, so awesome hooray for the justice system <laughs> it actually works out for once for the you know for the victims and i mean like 90 days isn't a lot and just you know some house arrest um no well, not compared to holding these women hostages for four years yeah, practically four years of their young lives she at least got a mattress in jail yeah <laughs> they, that's what they should have done give her a bunk bed with no mattress and said go ahead linda um, but you know, the they were awarded restitution, and hopefully that one hundred eighty-five thousand dollars that was seized, um, hopefully that went toward paying the restitution. Because you know, sometimes restitution is awarded, but like the criminal has no money, so the victims never actually right. Get you it. never see it, yeah. So hopefully, between that and the car, um, hopefully they were they were paid at least somewhat. And interesting to note too is they seized the car because they said it was basically determined that she bought the car with money she made from human trafficking. So, you know, it's like if she had owned it before she had ever brought the women to the country, she may not have had to give it up, which is just an interesting little side bit to me. So as part of the agreement, Linda was required to write what is called a statement regarding acceptance of responsibility and apology. And I'll read you the meat of it. It's part cringy, part infuriating. (laughs) When I brought A.V. and T.V. to the United States from Vietnam, I felt I was giving them a tremendous opportunity, an opportunity which my parents and family gave up everything to obtain. I fully admit that I was wrong in bringing them to this country, and upon reviewing their statements and documents from the investigation, it became clear to me that they felt exploited and taken advantage of by my actions and even my attitude."
1: I was particularly this lady <laughs> has what uh, Again, Linda is a bitch she's, she's like, basically she has, like
0: I'm sorry that you feel that way
1: yeah she's like oh I'm sorry you didn't enjoy working four years for <laughs> you know 60 hours a week and getting that no yeah. pay."
0: sorry yeah 70 hours a week so to continue I was particularly impressed by the diary kept by TV outlining how sad and depressed she was living and working with me, and I now believe that both of these women were taken advantage of and exploited by me by working long hours with few vacation days and being required to do chores such as cooking and cleaning in various places where they lived with me. I realize now that I was wrong in arranging for them to come to the United States, and I hope they find the type of lives they really want when they return to Vietnam. So I feel like she's saying, I'm sorry that you feel that way, and I hope you have fun back in Vietnam. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Uh, She wasn't like, oh, I hope they get to stay in this country and, you know, make their lives their own. She was like, bye. (laughs) Bye. Have fun back in Vietnam. She The
1: only thing she said she feels bad about is that she brought them here, yeah. not how she treated them. Uh-huh. She feels bad she brought them here because she got in trouble for it, not because of how she treated them. Yeah. yeah. Is what my perception of that
0: statement is. Mm-hmm. Linda. Linda is the worst. <laughs> So, yeah. Just the fact that she starts holding out like aggrandizing the idea that she was giving them this wonderful opportunity. Like, it was so hard for her parents. Like, if her parents had been given this opportunity, they would have been so grateful. Like, that's what I feel like she was also <laughs> saying was like, like, I'm sure her parents struggled. I'm sure that their immigrant story was not easy either. Like, most people's weren't, especially back in the day. But, I'm sure if her parents, I I bet if they knew (laughs) what she was up to, they would be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like To be an immigrant and like abuse other immigrants.
1: Yeah, you would think you'd be sympathetic.
0: Yeah. And you can tell like every word that she said, she was only, only showing any kind of remorse because an attorney told her, you have to say this if you want to get off light. It's disgusting. She doesn't feel bad. Yeah.
1: She'd probably do it again, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. God, people are just so mean to each other. I just don't understand it.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure that these girls back in Vietnam probably trusted her more because she was a Vietnamese woman. Rather than if the, if it was some, like, American man who showed up who was like, yeah, ladies, come on and work in my salon. They'd be like, uh, I don't know about this. But she's like, another Vietnamese woman. And they're just like, all right. Like, she went there and... You know, made something her life. Yeah, she owns two
1: salons. She made it. This is a great role
0: model. Yeah, like, she wants to help me out, too. Like, oh, it's... Instead, she's a monster. I mean, and that's why she should have gotten phew, more jail time than that. It's crazy. Anyway, so TV's fake husband and Linda's baby daddy, Duck, when was found guilty of the lesser charge of aiding and abetting marriage fraud and sentenced to a year of probation and a $1,000 fine. So he got off really, really way too easily for having been part of a modern-day slavery scam. Uh, and I think if you're part of it, insofar as being legally married to somebody who's being treated like a slave, you should face the same penalty as the actual ringleader. Because you're not, you're not stopping it. And you know all about it, and you're allowing it, so... Right, and TV
1: and AV are clearly cooking his dinner and cleaning his house. Yeah. So he's benefiting from it.
0: And it certainly is not like... It's not like Linda was forcing Justin and Duck to do these things, you know what I mean? Like, especially Duck. He was he was profiting off of it, too, as basically her actual husband, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Justin Fan, Linda's brother and AV's fake husband, was also found guilty of aiding and abetting marriage fraud and was sentenced to one year of probation and a $5,000 fine, which I'm not sure why Duck had a $1,000 fine and he had a $5,000 fine, but... I'm sure there was some kind of reason. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Linda and Duck both held cosmetology licenses, which allowed them to operate their salons, and it was recommended that Duck's cosmetology license should be suspended for one year and Linda's for two. They'd hoped that the suspension order could be staggered so that one could continue earning while the other one was suspended and vice versa. However, the Pennsylvania State Board of Cosmetology, in a total badass move, were like how about no? <laughs> and just straight up revoked both licenses. Good. Permanently. Good. Yeah.
1: I was hoping. I was like, having it suspended for three years in total between the two of them is nothing compared to the four years they force these women to work.
0: Yeah. 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 She
1: shouldn't be running a business. Clearly she doesn't know how to treat in quote employees. Yeah, anyone. <laughs>
0: uh so yeah, they basically said, first of all, you're gross. Okay, they didn't really say that, but they, <laughs> <laughs> they said. The court said, P.S., you're gross. <laughs> um, yeah, so they said uh, the felony itself was abhorrent. And uh, second, the board said that they wanted to revoke in order to protect the public, industry employees, and customers who unwittingly are subjected to the work of practitioners under the conditions of what is essentially slavery. So, basically, they just want to protect everyone from possibly either, you know, working alongside or being serviced by or having any kind of connection with slavery. (laughs) This is
1: How guilty would you feel knowing you had been going to this salon and not knowing what was happening? And you're like, oh, I paid $75 to get my nails done and these women got none of it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel awful. I can't even imagine. Uh, So... Revoking would deter not only Duck and Linda from pulling a scam like this again, but also might deter other salon owners from thinking of doing the same thing in the future. Third, the board was basically like, if you're willing to commit this crime, what other crimes might you be open to committing? So, we don't want to find out, thanks, goodbye. And finally, fourth, the board was like, You've damaged the reputation of this field of business and shaken the confidence of the public who might frequent operations that are actually good and legal, not like yours. And they were like, taken all together. This is all just bad enough to be like one strike. You're out. You're not even allowed in this world anymore. <laughs> Never. You can't be a salon owner. You can't work at a salon. You're, you're done. Find some other occupation. Special Agent John Kelligan, head of the ICE Office of Investigations in Philadelphia, said, quote, Because this heinous crime is extremely well-hidden, we need to help educate members of the public about human trafficking so that we can rescue the victims and, working with our local, state, and federal partners, prosecute those who engage in these horrendous acts. In that vein, I want to point out that AV and TV are just two victims out of many in the U.S. and all over the world, In fact, just in the state of Pennsylvania alone, and this blew my mind, between 2007 and 2016, there were 620 cases of human trafficking discovered, and those are just the ones that have been found out. So imagine how many other people are just stuck in horrible Linda House situations, too afraid or otherwise prevented from reporting their captors. Wow.
1: Because, yeah, the whole, time, the whole time I've been sitting here thinking, like, man, have I interacted with someone that's been in this situation?
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Holy shit. So if you want to know more about trafficking and learn the signs that you should look out for next time, you should check out the Polaris Project. It's a nonprofit that operates the U.S. National Human Trafficking Hotline. Their website, polarisproject.org, is actually really amazing because not only does it have a lot of resources to help victims and to educate the public, it also has this big red banner at the bottom of the page that has their hotline number, a text number with instructions for victims to text the word "be free" for help, and a link to enter a live chat so that people can get help immediately. And it also has this genius button marked quick exit. And if you click on it, it quickly redirects to weather.com, which is just brilliant. That's so smart. (laughs) Yeah, that is so smart. So smart. Uh, So on our Instagram, I'm going to link to their page specifically about recognizing human trafficking. And I hope that everybody will just go check it out because the more of us are aware of it, the harder it'll be for traffickers to operate. And, you know, on that page, they talk about it's not just nail salons. It's also hospitality industry, restaurants, agricultural work, things like that. So they can be everywhere out of plain sight and right in front of us all at the same time. Um, And if you frequent spas, salons, restaurants and other places where a lot of immigrant employees are present, definitely don't freak out and assume that they are all been trafficked, (laughs) but definitely do try to get to know them. And, you know, if you try to speak to somebody and they look cagey, like they're not supposed to be talking to you, that's a bad sign, of course. Um, And if you go to the same nail tech every month for years and you know the basics about their spouse, their kids, if they have pets, whatever, that's a really good sign. So just ask people questions and think about how they answer just basic stuff like that. And obviously, you know, if you just went to a restaurant one time, (laughs) it's different. But if you go to the same place all the time and you see the same staff all the time, you know, it's just good to check out that everything's okay. And I'll leave you with this horrible, horrible statistic that I hope stays in everybody's brain (laughs) forever. In 2018, just in the United States, Polaris investigated... 10,949 cases of human trafficking, which involved 23,078 individual victims. Wow. So again, those are just the cases where a victim was able to reach out for help. So that's 23,000 people just day in, day out living a nightmare. It's just like Avian and TV were. And it's it's a horrible, it's a bummer that there's so many people who are being abused and taken advantage of all over the world not just in america but at least the bright side is in this case av and tv got theirs
1: yeah i'm i'm proud of them and like i guess proud sounds really freaking cheesy but i admire their ability to stick through it and like go and get help and like turn the tables yeah that takes a lot of courage and a lot of strength given the situation they were in
0: I mean, I I, I turn the tables on myself and think, what if I was in Vietnam working for some people and only my boss spoke English and everybody else only spoke Vietnamese and I spoke very little and and they told me if I was found out, I'd go to jail in Vietnam and, you know, all that stuff. Like, that's that's scary. You don't know the rules of the country and all that. You just get taken advantage of.
1: Yeah. It's like forced alienation, too. So, like, they don't reach out to anyone yeah. they don't have a sense of community
0: but uh, you know what and another thing that um on the polaris projects website they were talking about um, familial human trafficking and that is when uh it's a family member who traffics you mm-hmm. and um in this case av was a distant relative of linda's and tv was her cousin so right so there's even more sense of
1: trust when this person asks you to leave their country yeah
0: And I think it's, like, when it's family, it's, like, it's easier pickings, too, because then you already know of people who, you know, might be in a desperate situation instead of just having to, like, find them. Yeah. So.
1: Well, now my mind's just, like, spinning about all of my interactions with everybody. Yeah. As, you know.
0: Just remember, most of the time, it's probably been fine. And most of the time, they're probably here because they want to be and working because they want to be.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the statistics are just so high which makes me say like it's probably more common than we think, you know? Yeah.
0: And it's the same yeah. thing when
1: I learned about the statistics of pedophiles, my mind spun for days and was like, "Oh, oh my god, god. How many have are out there. You know, it's like when yeah. you, those numbers get to be in the tens of thousands. Yeah. The percentage of you interacting with someone actually becomes a lot higher.
0: Yeah, and when and then when your brain is like, "Oh, right, and that's just the ones that we know of."
1: Right, exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah. Now I'm thinking about pedophiles, which is just so much worse. What is wrong with people? You have like human traffickers, <laughs> pedophiles, serial killers. Just stop.
1: Exactly. Why aren't people nice to each other? Just don't understand.
0: Anyway, sorry to bum y'all out that way, but check out the Polaris Project and uh, go watch all their videos and read all their articles because they're great.
1: Yeah, no, I will definitely definitely check that out. Okay, so I'm going to take a little turn in this storyline and we're going to go to
0: South Africa. All right. That's a new one.
1: Yeah, so go to South Africa, new destination for us. We haven't been there in real life either. No, we haven't. Um, but we would like to but we definitely should and we're going to a safari park nice so we're going to kruger national park
0: oh um have you heard of it yeah
1: okay there are some like beautiful lodges yeah like, five star beautiful lodges in this park yeah so this national park lies in the northeast corner of south africa and a picture where it sits on the map, it sits like right underneath Zimbabwe and next to Mozambique. Uh-huh. It's not as south as you would think when you think of South Africa, but still part of it right on the edge.
0: You know, I think you can take one of those uh, luxury trains by there and then you get off and they take you over to the safari. Someday when we have like 10 grand to blow on like a two week vacation, that's what we're doing. So
1: Yes. And they do say most people fly into Johannesburg and then... Hmm. Get, go up to the park i'm all for the luxury train ride though the park was actually the first national park in africa
0: oh cool it became
1: the first national park in 1926 and it's one of the largest game reserves in africa huh. they compared it to the size of slovenia or um israel oh wow that's pretty big so um like i said it's ranked as one of the best parks in africa a variety of luxury lodges they have modest lodges luxury ones mm-hmm. safaris tours helicopters the whole thing you can anything you could think of a safari activity you can do visiting this park sure. and it's home to all of africa's iconic safari animals the big five elephants mm. lions leopards cheetahs buffaloes giraffes all of it so it has um you know, the big five, some of the animals I mentioned, 137 mammals, and 500 varieties of birds, wow. so <laughs> I definitely need to go.
0: <laughs> Phoebe, the bird watcher lady, has plans.
1: <laughs> Lots of birds in this park. I would love to go.
0: Okay, me too.
1: A lonely planet guide for Kruger said the park can sometimes become crowded. And yes, you may have to wait in line to see the lines, Mm. but that's because the vast network of roads makes Kruger one of Africa's most accessible parks that you can explore on your own or take a guided Mm. tour. So basically, most parks have like one or two roads in and out of the the national park where they have so many roads and so many kind of like side reserves Mm -hmm. that you can kind of access the park through. It makes, it makes it pretty busy.
0: I definitely, you know what? The one thing, well, I mean, there's a lot of things I never want to do in my life, but one thing I definitely never want to do is like a self-drive safari. <laughs> I feel like this is asking for trouble.
1: So self-driving is one of the most popular ways that people- Ooh. Tour this park, God. but I assume that's because most people are coming from areas in South Africa. Yeah. So it's like if we did a self drive tour of the Grand Canyon
0: kind of thing. Yeah, if the Grand Canyon had freaking lions and cheetahs and whatnot. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, this, you'll <laughs> like, you'll like this story
0: then. You know what it reminds me of though is when we were in Rwanda and we were at Akagera uh, National Park and there was that, I think they were Dutch, that couple that was in the boat with us on the mm-hmm. lake. And they were self-drive and they were camping in a tent. And I was like, better you than me because I don't know if you guys are going to live through the night. I would self-drive and I find that enjoyable, but I would not camp. Look, here's all I know is one time me and my cousin were in an area north of Spokane at nighttime. It's dark, driving out in her Chevy Cavalier (laughs) and uh, there was a moose in the middle of the road and it was massive and it was just looking at us like what and we we were like what do we do what do we do oh my god and we ended up reversing and i, I don't know what after that i don't know if we just went back to the house or what but that moose easily could have charged our car like and, or could have just sat there like it was stretched across the road so that you couldn't you couldn't just go around it you know and all i'm thinking is if it's a rhino if it's an elephant if it's a hippo <laughs> if it's so many things you're not getting out of that unless you're very experienced like did you see that video recently where it was like they had to they had to back out uh to get away from a rhino um and it was like the i might have the safari guide was like driving the truck and was like just in reverse for like quite a while before they shook the thing well,
1: i saw one i didn't see the rhino but i saw one where a group of people had their window down and the lion swatted into the window yeah (laughs) and they said "And this is why you keep your windows up um but that That could happen if you were on a guided tour you have control of your own window right right but
0: what i'm saying is they the the guide like in that is the one driving away yeah they've they've driven through there before they know it better than you do they know what to do better than you do (laughs) like Uh, they they know, for instance, if an animal is just going to be aggressive because it's being territorial and like if you get out of its territory, you'll be fine versus it's just going to continue to chase you forever and your car can't outpace it. There's so many things. Okay, so
1: that's fair, but wait till you hear this story and your opinion might change a little. Okay. I still don't want to
0: self-drive safari ever. Count me out.
1: I will drive us through the safari and you'll have a great time. Hmm. Okay. So, as I was saying, the park can get pretty crowded. Sure. In 2019, they had 1.8 million visitors. Wow. And with that many visitors, it causes problems, including traffic issues. hmm Which brings me to November 10th, 2019, when a taxi bus carrying 13 people who were being transported through the park to one of the lodges. At the same time, Roland Keller and his wife are exploring the park on their own in their self-driving tour okay, in a rented safari vehicle that was built like a camper van. Uh-huh. Um, in pictures, the vehicle kind of looks like a truck, and it has this big metal-like box camper attached to the back of it. Okay. Both vehicles cross paths when a giraffe enters the road, and the taxi minibus then collides with the giraffe. Oh, so maybe these guides don't know what they're doing. I mean... Once the minibus hits the giraffe, the giraffe is then sent careening into the air and across the road onto oncoming traffic. Oh, my god! Hitting the vehicle that Roland and his wife are driving.
0: Oh, that's that would be so unexpected. Like... So unexpected. Oh, man.
1: Now, giraffes are massive animals. Not yeah. only are they the world's tallest mammal... You know, they average about 14 to 19 feet. They also weigh up to 3,000 pounds, which when I looked it up, I couldn't compare it to Danny DeVito's, but (laughs) it's basically like a small car. Yeah. The width of their foot is about 12 inches. Their tongue are about 21 inches, I believe. Gross.
0: Gross, but cool.
1: So now we have this 18 foot tall giraffe weighing 1,600 pounds, being thrown across the road, Mm -hmm. which because it's hit by the minibus and it completely smashes in the front of the minibus. And then as it hits the Roland's vehicle, it crushes in the roof of the vehicle. In the photos online, it basically looks like something like a rhino just stepped on top. Yeah. It It is completely smashed in the roof, is like almost touching the kind of like shoulder area of the seats. Mm -hmm. And the minibus front end, like the windshield is missing, just smashed in. God. And, like, I know they're big animals, but you think of – I think of them as being, like, thin. Yeah. And not being able to cause – But then
0: again, you think how much damage a deer does if you hit it.
1: Yeah. But I guess I'm imagining that, like, when you hit a giraffe, you're hitting its legs and not the chunk of its body because it's so much taller.
0: True. I don't know. I just didn't – I Of course, if it's, like, falling on you.
1: Right. Well, yeah, when it hits your yeah. car and being thrown into the air. I guess yeah. I was just surprised because you think of them as, like, being skinny, you know, tall but skinny. yeah.
0: Yeah, Anyways, they're all neck and legs. Oh, yeah. But Yeah. I wish I was all neck and legs. Um, so awful
1: scenario yeah roland was seriously injured and his wife had suffered minor injuries from the impact hmm. once medical personnel arrived on the scene of the accident they stabilized roland before he was airlifted to a local hospital hmm. two people in the taxi minibus were treated for minor injuries and the giraffe was dead from the impact of hitting both cars oh,
0: poor giraffe
1: it was really sad there was a photo of it online i did not need to see it It was Made me Um, very upset
0: sad. We will not post that
1: one. That's sad. No. The paramedic on the scene who stabilized Roland informally measured the length of the tire skid marks and found them to be 35 meters long.
0: Wow. The skid
1: marks of the minibus. Yeah. He said the road service in... The KNP, which is Kruger National Park, mm-hmm. is of such a nature that it tends to leave long skid marks if you suddenly break.
0: Uh-huh. Even
1: when traveling at only 50 kilometers per hour, from my perspective as a qualified accident investigator, the skid marks are longer than they should have been if the taxi driver had been doing the speed limit.
0: Mm. Naughty, naughty.
1: When I first started looking up this story, I found some forms online discussing it. And a lot of people said... It's alleged that the gates close at night and you're fined if you don't get to your checkpoints at the appropriate time uh-huh. and you have to check in late. And that a lot of these drivers race through the park to get mm. groups of people from lodges to checkpoints so no one gets fined and you have to do it before dark. Uh-huh. There was also some mention of these drivers drinking, but again, this is a form. There was no proof. There was just some commentary about it. Yeah. There is a ton of mention about the gates closing and the fines related to it, so Part of me thinks that they probably were speeding. Yeah. So a few days later, Roland was transferred to a larger hospital in Johannesburg where he passed away from his injuries. Oh,
0: man. Yeah, Can you imagine? I didn't see that coming. Yeah. What a way to go.
1: Yeah. This story made me think of the tree falling accident in... Was it Yosemite? Yeah. Spokesman from the park said, We are aware of the length of skid marks left by the minibus taxi, but it's not our job to speculate on the speed the taxi was driving, but to leave that investigation to the police. Hmm. We need to remind all visitors that this is a wildlife park and animals have the right-of-way, and you need to drive the speed limits and be fully aware of all times that animals can appear unexpectedly. Yeah. The park tweeted that they'll be conducting an investigation that led up to the accident. And again, continue to warn visitors to observe the speed limit and be careful on the roads. Um, This is also getting to be approaching the time when they have a lot of visitors, and they encourage everyone to make sure they plan the appropriate timing between the gates and camps to eliminate any need to hurry and exercise extreme Mm -hmm. caution, as wildlife has no concept of traffic rules. So I was hoping to kind of find some follow-up information since this happened in November and it's been a couple months. Yeah. But... All I could find was one article that mentions that the park is looking into ways to potentially decrease the overcrowding and their reckless behavior in the park.
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: mentioned that there's an app called Latest Sightings, where users who spot an animal can upload it and their location. Mm-hmm. And that just leads to everyone in large groups racing to these locations. You know, yeah. it's kind of like a real-time animal tracker. Mm-hmm. And not only is it causing issues for traffic and people racing through the park, it's also giving all this information to poachers who get into the park.
0: Yeah. So the,
1: the app doesn't allow you to notify when you've seen a rhino. Mm-hmm. And it also turns off geolocation for some features. But basically... They said this may be one of the things causing an issue where people are just racing around Mm -hmm. the park just trying to, you know, everyone everyone does it for the gram these days. Everyone's doing it for the photos. (laughs) Like, people aren't taking their time and enjoying the park. They're just trying to see all the animals and race through it. Yeah. But according to park officials, they said no matter what, they need to be more active enforcing park rules. They need to ensure visitors and animal safety is increased by patrols both on foot and having access to dedicated vehicles. Hmm. They talked about restricting access to the app. But other than that, they didn't have any details of any further plans that they planned to take to prevent these accidents from happening. Mm-hmm. And when I was kind of researching the story, that's when I saw the article about the lion hitting into the car window. Yeah. There was one where a rhino attacks a car. Yeah, um, Some other accidents that happened. So it seems to be kind of like a common occurrence in this park but again i think that's because you have 1.8 million visitors a year that's a ton of people
0: you know and i really i think that uh safari parks should just only allow you know they should have their own drivers and they should have you know kind of like um john marie he was our driver for our whole trip and then he also drove us for the safari and he knew everything about that park but he didn't work specifically for the park. I think it should always be that kind of situation, not only because if you're a self-drive, you might be hurrying to get to a location because you, you know you want to see something or you might be unaware of like, oh, this area always has rhinos charging across the street. but also on top of it, if they were to do that and only allow, employees of the park or guides to drive people that's just more money for people in countries where there's not a lot of money you know so that's what i think
1: yeah but i will say it was the guy who was the taxi driver and i don't know if the taxi drive was associated with the park right but someone who you would assume is well aware of this of their surroundings in that park was the one who hit the giraffe yeah and speeding so i guess you also just ho- have to hope that it's a good person that follows the rules
0: yeah but i think also if you in in like a safari type situation if you said okay only drivers who are like certified to drive people through here can do it then it would probably make it a way more coveted job so that you would have like the best people driving and then you'd have people you know i mean imagine if you're we learned so much from john marie on in that safari I took so many notes because he was just telling us so many interesting things about the animals and about animals in general. And imagine if we were just driving around ourselves and we were like, oh, there's a thing. <laughs> there's another thing. That that kind of looks like a deer. Like, we wouldn't know anything.
1: Totally. I agree with you to that aspect. Mm-hmm. 100%. There is a huge benefit to traveling with someone who knows the area. Yeah, But I would hope everyone would be as educated and knowledgeable about the animals and the surroundings and the flora and fauna as John marie was, but I'm also sure that there's a handful of people that are just like, get in and get out.
0: <laughs> but in, uh, in India there's that Tiger Park. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. It starts with an R. If you look up Tiger Park and then R in Google <laughs> in India, it'll probably come up. You can only use one of their drivers to be in the park, but you can choose between a private jeep tour with just you and the, and the driver or on a bus, uh, which is kind of one of those like open, open air bus type things. So I think that would be a a good kind of solution to a lot of places would be so that you could still have people who don't have a lot of money get to access the park, but still get the information like from a guide who knows what's going on, what the animals are doing, what kind of animals they are, all that stuff. And, and they probably, I imagine that's probably a more coveted job, you know? Yeah. So you probably get better people.
1: Well, I will say I never expected this this
0: man's car to be crushed by a giraffe. That was uh, like a crazy turning yeah, point in the story I, I didn't expect at first. I mean, that's the thing, too, is like I would... I wouldn't want to self-drive because I would be thinking about running from rhinos and hippos and all that kind of stuff. I never, never in 100 years would be like, oh, my God, watch out for flying giraffes, Phoebe. Yeah.
1: No way. Um, but I will say we should go to Kruger National Park. For sure. Like I said, some of
0: the lodges looked awesome. Nice. <laughs> I just I just want to go anywhere. <laughs> really... <sighs> yeah. My heart breaks. <laughs>
1: Well, oh well, if you have a safari story for us,
0: mm-hmm. since we
1: have covered safaris a few times now, yeah, we've had hippos and uh, elephants and now giraffes. If you have any stories, share them with us. We'd love to hear them. Yeah.
0: If you're a bird watcher, email Phoebe to tell her all your favorite spots.
1: <laughs> yes, please do.
0: Pick her up. <laughs>
1: Oh yes. Okay. And until then, uh hit us up on early departures podcast at gmail.com
0: or get us on Instagram early departures podcast. Slide in those DMs. And as always, we'll see you next week. And until then, be safe. And depart on time.
1: Aunt Linda, you's a bitch.